1: Welcome to the Purple Top Podcast on NBC Sports California. We are back. Uh, joining me today, Mr. Doug Christie. We're not going to have a guest. Uh, Doug, I don't think we need a guest today. We've got some topics to discuss, right?
2: Uh, no doubt, man. You don't always need a guest, Ham. I think uh, you and I chatting it up sometimes are are way more than enough. And uh, Not to mention, I am sure that we're going to have enough topics to cover it. I mean, from the NBA changing basketballs to Kings back at the facility. I mean, we can go on and on, man.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I mean, you brought up a, an interesting topic there. But before we get to that, I want to uh, to give you a shout-out. It, it was your 50th birthday on uh, May 9th. Um, what's it like to be 50? Because, I, Doug, you don't look 50. You don't look 50 at all. You look like you could probably uh-huh. still lace it up. I don't know, you know how well. Uh, your body would hold up, but you seem like you could still at least play like forty games.
2: Uh, look and do are two totally different things, but uh, <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, fifty doesn't feel any different than forty-nine. Grant Napier pumped it all up in my head. Oh, it's gonna do all, and uh, it's it's all good so far, so good, my friend. A uh, lot of birthday wishes. I, I truly, truly appreciate that. I I think. Um, king's fandom as always man they they are the best and i don't know if this is time stamped but everybody out there we're gonna wish uh brother ham here a happy birthday his birthday is coming up tomorrow we forget about you either hamster oh there we go
1: oh yeah yeah i'm uh may 15th birthday um yes sir I, are we both tauruses i think that's what we are right uh,
2: yes sir you're you are a taurian i i don't, uh, i don't know if everyone follows astrology but i always have and yeah that is uh that is who i am i'm known to be very bullheaded and stubborn in a lot of ways loyal uh work hard all the things that uh i'm checking you out ham i see you building uh greenhouses and garages and damn you just over there working daddy oh
1: i am i am working way too much and doug you know what i'm gonna throw this out too um I, me and my wife share a birthday which is kind of strange um but you know oh, really
2: happy we, birthday mrs ham
1: yeah we've been married for uh in july it'll be oh man 21 years uh we'll be married um, we got married young but we're we're doing well um and i'll say this like i, I think doug uh, i don't know how life is for you at home but for me this has been like a really eye-opening experience like my wife and I we've traveled a lot together we've gone to Europe for long vacations when we were young Uh, we took the boys last summer Um, we spend a lot of time together my goodness man it's been what like eight weeks we've been pretty much locked down Um, and it's been a wonderful experience at the house like I haven't had Mm -hmm. Like, we don't fight, which is weird. Me and Costa Koufos got into this one time. Uh, he didn't believe me that me and my wife never fight. And mm-hmm. so I text her, I'm like, hey, how many times have we ever been in a fight? And she said, I don't know if I'd even consider it a fight, but maybe like once or twice we've had a disagreement. And I'm like, yep, that's pretty much what I had told Kosta. Um, <laughs> but, you know, here we are locked in. And my wife is balancing being an attorney for a major healthcare provider, which is an absolute nightmare for those of you, who, you know, don't understand what that would be like at this point. Trying to come up with all of, you know, the the things that you have to come up with in the middle of a pandemic, uh, as far as you know, doctors at hospitals yep. and, and all that stuff. Um, we have a 17 year old Toby turned 17 last week, and hey, Doug, uh, he was all league, uh, all league soccer player this year. Hooray. He, he got a plaque uh, without any, you know, pomp and circumstance because there is uh, social distancing. So uh, he went and picked Yeah. Um, but like this experience, just like I've had a, a good time with my family, um, even though, you know, getting homework done and all that stuff is difficult. Um, my son has to take AP courses, AP tests at home, which is totally bizarre um, over the next couple of days. But uh, this has just been a, a crazy crazy situation for all of us and are, are you guys surviving all right
2: oh yeah well we're surviving doing a lot of binge watching uh you know cooking and uh yeah we, we're making it happen man i've been on a couple bike rides and things like that but uh yeah it, it is a different time man. man uh this is unprecedented man i mean because it's not a uh National, it's not here. It is. This is a global pandemic, so it's not just us, my brother. It is everybody in the world, my friend.
1: Yeah, we're all we're all in this together. I think that's what we're learning very very quickly. Um, I keep busy by building stuff. Uh, I've, I'm running out of room to build. I just keep building and building and building. Um, but it's what like sort of eases my mind, um, makes you know. But I, I think everybody has their own way of escaping. And uh, so definitely an interesting time. Uh, Just a reminder that we're doing these from home. So if you hear dogs barking or my neighbor has uh, some guys cutting some tree limbs uh, with chainsaws, uh, that's the reality that we're all in at this point. Um, Doug, the the first topic let's get to, um, you, you mentioned it, the ball. Now, the NBA has tried to switch balls before. And I remember very distinctly that Mike Bibby had a huge issue with the switch of the balls. It dried out his hands or something um, in the early 2000s. But Nike is going away from Spalding and going to Wilson right at this point. And just what does that mean? You're, you're a dude who, who has played extensively with the Spalding leather ball. Um, what kind of, I don't know, uh, challenges will this present?
2: You know, I, I don't think it's it, now. Let me say this: the first time around, when they changed the ball, it, it stayed with Spalding, but they changed the the composite, uh, the composition of the ball. So they went to a unnatural, grippy leather. European in the ends of the ball were different. They they didn't have any stopping point on the uh, on the seams of the ball. So it was it was it was different didn't really run it by the players they just kind of dropped it on us that thing got vetoed extremely fast it was kind of uh, you know one of those balls that people with smaller hands I mean my hands aren't huge but I can palm a ball but it was a lot easier to palm that ball actually I have one of those those balls here uh, and it's in my son's room I I remember I bought it um, many years ago when it happened. And uh, that one didn't go extremely well. In this particular instance, going from Spalding to Wilson, I I don't think this one's going to be a big problem, Ham, because – First of all, I remember playing with Wilson balls in high school. They were leather, smaller seams on them. I still have that one actually here too cuz we won a state championship with it. So, uh it, it was autographed, but the the point is uh Wilson makes a quality leather. So, I would anticipate that everything uh with the ball is the same. It's just the actual leather and the manufacturer is different. If that is the case, I don't think it's going to be a problem at all. I think the name on the the ball changes. Everything with the ball pretty much stays the same. Weight, seams composition shouldn't be a problem. Um, The last one was a disaster. I will say, I will say (laughs) that it was not, it it was not good. The the players were not contacted. All of a sudden they just dropped the ball on us in this particular instance. um, I I think the NBA had, had learned its lesson, you know, changing what the ball is made out of is going to totally change a lot of things. So yeah, this time around, I don't think it's going to be a big problem.
1: Yeah. I remember there was like dead spots, that's what people complained about, the, the stem, where the stem was. There were some dead spots on the ball, just some weirdness. Uh, again, it, it had a different effect on everybody's hands. Um, just, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, as long as the players are comfortable with, with what's happening, then I, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Um, but, Doug, let's get to uh, the next topic, which is uh, the Sacramento Kings are back at the practice facility starting Monday, um you know the Kings are kind of being mum about who's there and who's not uh which I think is interesting but then again they don't want to call out players who aren't here they don't want to pressure players who aren't uh in the building uh to get back um but you know basically I was told half of the team the week before I was told half of the team was in Sacramento roughly uh and then They've had a handful of players at the practice facility as far as Monday, that's what they had. Um, We haven't really had any updates, but um, all of the, uh, it's really interesting. Well, we have two hour sessions. Uh, Only four players can be there at one time. All four players have to be on a different court. They're not allowed to play 1v1. They're not allowed to play 2v2. Uh, No scrimmaging at all. Um, Everyone who's in the building with them has to wear face masks and gloves uh every the players do not have to wear face masks and gloves while they're playing but when they do come in the building they have to have face masks they their temperature is scanned every day uh and you know eventually we're going to have daily testing um i'm not sure when that's going to happen but uh you and i were on I, well i came on with you and uh you and grant on friday and we discussed some of this and you and i started on a tangent about well you know what if a does that mean switching out the net? Does that mean like literally cleaning the mm-hmm. backboard and, and all this stuff? And Grant said, you know, if that's what we're talking about, let's just cancel everything, um, <laughs> which I found, uh, I found humorous. But you and I were kind of in the same mindset of like, okay, so a player shoots the ball. And I was thinking, well, you know, if a guy's going to go up and dunk, he can breathe on the – he could, you know, spit on the net on, on accident. Um, but these are things that, yeah, I mean, this is a new world, right, Doug? And, and we yeah. just kind of got to roll with the punches.
2: Yeah, it's, um, you know, I, I look personally at the net and the ball and all those different things because they are so personal to the players and you are touching them that it's no different than wearing a mask and entering the facility and all the different things of the protocols that you're going to have to go through. I mean, how deep down the rabbit hole do we have to go to ensure the, the health and safety of our players? And I think that the NBA is going to go to extreme lengths to to make sure that the players are, are taken care of until we get a better grasp on, you know, COVID-19 and exactly what it's going to do in a place like, um, a, a basketball gym with multiple people in and out, and all those different things. So, I would anticipate. I mean, if, if for instance, if you have a, like, I'll take myself, if, if I'm going down and uh, I enter and I start shooting around, do I have my own personal ball? Most likely. Otherwise, you're going to have to clean the balls. We're talking about leather. If you're putting alcohol and different things on them, that can dry the leather out. I mean, we can go on and on about about that part of it. But if I am shooting the basketball and I am sweating on the basketball and I'm shooting it through the net, well, now my, my sweat is being on the net. So you probably have to replace the net, I would think. And, um, you know, and just until we figure that part out, maybe you don't, maybe you just need to spray and disinfect the net. These are, you know, my, my point in, in saying that was, I don't know where this goes and where it ends and how you make sure that everything is taken care of. I, I do know one thing: uh, it, always the king's facility has been one of the cleanest things spotless. I've ever seen. It's always, yeah, spotless, man. So from that standpoint, you know, they have five hoops there, two full courts. Uh, there's plenty of room. that guys can be in their own areas. It's just going to be the logistics more than anything, Ham of you know, how, how are how are you going to go about it, the rebounding, the passing, and I, I got to think also, uh, initially, all you're probably going to have is guys coming down, you know, I want to shoot a thousand shots, I want to shoot 500 shots, and you just passing and rebounding and passing and rebounding, because they have to, you know, to build to get back to being in shape and all that, I mean, hell, if you go down, you know, and shoot a thousand shots, that's, that, quite a few you're going to wake up probably sore just from shooting a thousand shots so it is going to be a steady build as far as uh, I think there was seven or eight guys still actually in Sacramento I would anticipate that we see all of them come through whether they went on day one or it's going to be a build and they it takes them a few days but yeah I would anticipate everybody gets through there in some shape form or fashion putting in some work.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I think the, uh, the weight room is going to be open, players are going to be able to do a lot of different things there to start building strength, start getting back to the basics. Um, it, it's just, this is going to be a process. And I know, um, you and I had talked about it on, on Friday, uh, that, you know, you know I, I had even asked Harrison Barnes, what do you think, like 10 days, two weeks, and he kind of chuckled, like, I think we need more time than that. And now Adam Silver has come out and said, like, if we do have this, we're going to need a three-week ramp up at a minimum uh, to get players back mm-hmm. up to speed. Because they're worried about player safety, about players getting, uh, not just getting the coronavirus, right. but about guys blowing out knees and tearing hamstrings and uh, and injuring themselves trying to get back to the court too soon. Um, it It's just really... We have to play this whole thing by ear. I think that's that's what we're learning. You know, Adam Silver said there's going to be a two to four week window here uh, where they decide the fate of the season, and um, you know, I, I think that's that's where we'll segue to, Doug. Um, where are you at when it comes to whether or not teams should get back to the game of basketball, whether this season should go on? Um, because I have some pretty strong takes on whether or not this should happen. Um, And I think they're going to be very contrary to what many people believe that I would think. Um, But I'll, Mm -hmm. I'll start with you. Where are you at with um, the getting back to the game of basketball?
2: You know, I'm, truly in the mindset that if if they can find a way to make it happen they they should make it happen when we we talk about the NBA and all all the teams in the NBA whether I don't believe that picking up the season where it was at and trying to play the last 15 games or 17 or however many games are left I I don't I think that part is out the window If you were going to involve all the teams, I would do, I I know Kenny Smith on TNT had a uh, little quote about um, maybe you do a bracketology where it's kind of like the NCAA tournament, and it's a single game elimination with all the teams up until the final four, and once you get the final four, which would be like Eastern and Western Conference Finals, um, then you do a seven-game series. I, I'm totally into something like that. If they just cut it off right now, which would suck for Sacramento Kings fans, and they took the top eight in the West and the top eight in the East, and they played maybe best three out of five for the first two rounds and four out of seven for the, the last, then I, I would be open to that. Um, the quarantining of Eastern and Western Conference teams. Um, if you were to quarantine someplace in, in the East, I, I don't know what, what city of Florida, probably someplace because of them being open to professional athletics at this particular time, the governor said. And if it's uh, Vegas, for instance, that we know the infrastructure is built in Vegas to be able to house multiple teams, and I mean, you could put them all in one hotel and play at, um, you know, a venue there that is already for summer league. I am, I'm open to that if it, it is something that can be done. And, and first, let me say this, Ham, we're, we're talking about this happening we're taking safety out. Let's just take that out. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, if it's unsafe, then none of this means anything, but if we found a way that it can be safe and it can be done, then I, I am I'm totally into that. I think that uh, the season regardless is probably going to start a little later than usual. If they were to cancel this season and say at the same time, but we're going to, we're canceling the season, but the regular season next year is going to start on the same time. That might change my mind a little bit, but for, for the most part, that, that's my mindset. I, I would really love to, to see basketball. I think that people being in the house at this particular time uh, with everything that's going on with the pandemic, this is one of those healing type of things to give people something to cheer for and something to watch. As we're watching, you know, uh, NASCAR is going to be coming back the, this next week. Uh, I believe golf is coming back in June. Baseball is having conversations mm-hmm. and the hockey is having conversations. Yes. I, yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm proud that the NBA is at least having these these conversations. I know the vote by the players was a yes or no vote, and overwhelmingly was on the yes side of things for wanting to play. So if they are able to find a way, I'm all for it. Now. Okay, so
1: here's where I'm at. Um, I, there's a couple of things that number one, I, I think they've already kind of concluded that that the start of the 2020-21 season is gonna be pushed back to December. That it's not written in stone yet, but if there is any sort of basketball to finish out this year, we're we're not gonna get the next season until December. Um, which, you know, creates a bunch of really strange, strange things. I don't know that there's ever going to be a point where you can pull it back, especially considering that next summer is the Olympic Games. And so you're gonna push into um, we're talking July at least uh, maybe even longer with the playoffs um, which is crazy so it changes free agency it changes the NBA draft it changes where you're at compared to the NCAA schedule all of these things are are moving pieces that um, that the league's gonna have to try to figure out and can you ever go back to a mid-October start or Are you now basically looking at uh, your entire calendar being pushed back that extra two months? It's very possible that that's what's going to happen, and we have no idea. But here's kind of my take. I I read something yesterday, uh, I think Chris Haynes um, from Yahoo said, um, like, look, uh, there are a sizable amount of players on teams that aren't in the playoff chase that Aren't going to be playoff teams that are kind of like, eh, we we would prefer you just start the playoffs. So, look, here's my take, Doug, and give her, you know, take it or leave it. Um, If the NBA is coming back, I believe they need to finish out, at least try to finish out an abbreviated schedule to make things fair. Uh, That's not me speaking as someone who covers the Sacramento Kings. That's me speaking as someone who looks at. What's called BRI, Basketball Related Income. Um, every team in the league is taking it hard right now. I mean, the the Kings are losing. Uh, I mean, it's going to be in the tens of millions of dollars. I think we already know that it, it, it's going to be brutal for every single one of these franchises, um, and that's why the NBA has borrowed more money and allowed more money. Uh, each team has like a limit of a credit limit with the league and the league has a credit limit with Goldman Sachs or somebody. Um and so they've upped that credit limit so they can try to help these teams get through this. But it's not just basketball. We're talking about concerts, we're talking about Disney on Ice, we're talking about all of the things that happen at Golden One Center are now gone. And so the the Kings are losing tens of millions of dollars and that's it is what it is again like there are hospitals around us that are going to shut down and people don't understand that but there are you know large health companies at this point are losing tens of millions of dollars a month because they're not having elective surgeries they're not having people coming for doctor visits all of these things that have stopped because of the pandemic so if you're going to play the season my thing is like look you can't short the the television side because that's each team basically gets roughly ninety million dollars per from the from the NBA's giant contract with TNT. Um those games need to be played. And if you want to not play, if you're a team that says, look, we're out of it, we're not gonna play, um, then you have to understand what you're doing to basketball related income. That goes That will cut the salary cap by so much. We're already talking about massive cuts to the salary cap. So everyone wants to look at uh, Harrison Barnes, $24 million contract. Harrison Barnes will not make $24 million next year uh, because the basketball related income will get hammered. That money will go into an impound account. uh, The difference that they believe that they're going to lose and the players will have to give that money back at the end of the year. So if you're part of a union, you're part of a league, you've got to go out and play the games, Doug. And I know that, mm-hmm. that that's crazy. Um, but look, at this point, uh, I'm not gonna play the whole, every player is you know X age and they're not at risk. That's not what this is about. This is about like, look, if there's going to be an NBA moving forward, if there's going to be an NFL moving forward, a Major League Baseball moving forward, you have got to play the games, and there's going to be safety measures put in. Um, and, and maybe people think I'm crazy, and I'm someone who's wearing a mask everywhere I go. I wear gloves everywhere I go. I believe that this is a real life killer that has killed, you know, 85,000 85, Americans and will probably kill 150,000 Americans by the time it's all said and done. And we're not even talking about second wave and third wave. Uh, so, like, I, but being realistic. Either you wanna have a basketball league or you don't because there's not going to be a way to economically recover if this thing shuts down and never, and doesn't come back for a year. It doesn't come back until there's a vaccine. 40% of basketball-related income is game day, is filling up an arena, selling food, uh, tickets, all that stuff. All of that's gone already. So how do we save what's left of the basketball related income? And that the only way to do that, Doug, is to play the games. And um I hope that no one gets hurt. I hope that, you know, again, Silver said the comf- the players are going to have to get comfortable with the fact that players are going to test positive and they're going to have to be quarantined and it's going to have to get to a situation where it's almost like a knee injury or it's like an ankle injury and i know people are going to say yeah but an ankle injury you can't give to somebody else i get it you're going to have to quarantine them you're going to have to put them to the side but either the game you know survives or it doesn't and that's crazy to imagine that a, a, a league wouldn't survive but that's where a lot of these leagues are at that's where why you have golf coming back and that's why you have nascar coming back those businesses Aren't doing well, anyways. They have to get back, and at some point, every league in the in you know the U.S. is going to have to make that decision. So, again, maybe I'm crazy, Doug, but that's sort of my opinion.
2: No, I don't. I don't think you're crazy. I just necessarily don't think that the regular season part of it is going to have to is going to have to be done. And the reason that I say that, Ham is because these are desperate times and it calls for desperate measures. So, okay, we're going to have to skip over that to get to this, but the ability to play, and I think that uh, te- te- television revenue and endorsement is going to take on a whole new specter going forward because, uh, you know, we see it in in soccer we see it in other sports we see it in basketball even the now you you got floor seats that have uh, especially on the camera side that the scorer's table has been taken to the point where it's pretty much a billboard well what if you were to put you know the first five rows because no fans are going to be there um, on the camera side and it's a green screen and you're able to flash certain things up there and I mean those are the things I think that you're going to have to take into consideration the whole court the jerseys everything if you're not having the ability as you said to have the revenue from People in the venue. Uh, if you do open up restaurants, I think that the restaurants will see a. <clears throat> excuse me, we'll see a boom around arenas. You know, the, the a, a bigger boom as they can get with social distancing and all the different things, because fans are going to want to come and be close to the event. But you're not going to have fans there you're going to have to find different ways to create that revenue that it is that you're talking about and you're right him the survival of these leagues are in the balance and when billionaires get worried that's where things are a lot different you know when i was with the um Dallas Mavericks for a short time Mark Cuban put on a thing for the team which I had never seen it was called uh, business of basketball and he was demonstrating that you know he I don't make money here with the Mavericks meaning that mm-hmm. I do make money but I make it from a write-off I write everything off and and that was kind con- the gist of what he was talking about but most guys like mark and like uh different owners they didn't make their money they they made it someplace else and then they came and they bought this entity well if those businesses that they were you know made their money are suffering which they are they are. all of a sudden yeah exactly now it, it really becomes nut cut time because um you know uh, now uh, at the same time this could be one of those times where some and we're watching them with the new york mets right now but they want to continue to own the team after they sell it for five years so that's kind of weird but the point is they are looking to sell in a crisis it's kind of like in the stock market you know buy low and sell high well right now it's low could we see some some organizations change hands in ownership i, I think everything is open and on the table right now and that's why i think personally if they can get on the floor I think it's imperative safely let me say that again safely they get on the floor and compete and play basketball
1: all right thanks uh, for listening to the the purple talk podcast we're going to keep going here but first and foremost uh we're going to ask you all to pause from your daily schedule give us a rating and review wherever you're listening to the podcast and then we're going to do a little bit of work here paying the bills so We'll be back in just a sec, but here's a word from our sponsors.
0: When it comes to keeping an eye on your business, Bay Alarm brings the best, like networked video surveillance systems, so you can view your security cameras from anywhere.
1: It's one more way we keep our eyes on what you prize. Because
0: if your security's not the best, you're not secure. Go to bayalarm.com slash Sports for a special offer to all new business customers.
1: Now, more than ever, Bay Alarm, aco two ACCL 880138 all right, Doug, we're back. Um, so look, there's, there's so many moving pieces here, and you're right. A lot of people are losing. It's not just in the NBA. They're losing money uh, in, in their regular business. I mean, c- crazy money in their regular business, in their regular Mm -hmm. lives. And I I do think the dynamics of ownerships around the league could change. Um, I I don't think we've really, we've seen the initial like knee-jerk reaction to uh, the economy and all that stuff. I don't think we're gonna know what the the long-term effects are for a long time. Like uh, we have no idea what this has done to the real estate market. Uh, I mean, I've got houses all around me that are for sale and people seem to still be buying and selling houses at this point. Uh, we stopped, we talked to Scott Pollard about that a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but I mean, I just, we don't know what's going to happen here, but eventually you're going to have to get back to it. Now, um, I wrote an article for, let's see, it was on Wednesday. Uh, will the Kings or should the Kings or, um, what will happen with a Buddy Hield situation? Will they trade Buddy Hield? Um, I sent that to you and you laughed. <laughs> um, it, there's going to be difficult decisions that have to be made within every organization, especially now. Uh, we've talked mm-hmm. about this countless times that Bogdan Bogdanovich has had a standing offer. like It's a little under $52 million, so a four-year $52 million extension from the Kings. Everything is frozen at this point, but if I'm Bogdan Bogdanovich, I, I'm calling the king and saying, "Hey, is that offer still on the table?" Um, because we're at a point where we have no idea what's going to happen moving forward, um, and and I do believe with basketball-related income going in the tank, with uh, you know all the things that we've been talking about, this this struggle that is hitting the NBA and, and other professional sports that the salary cap is going to change dramatically and what will that mean for every team? Um, I I think it's going to change um, for everybody within the league. So I I think that's one thing that I'll kind of take and say, look, if the salary cap is 120 million and it's gonna shrink to say 90 million, um, it's not just going to be like, hey, everyone who is above 90 million and is at the cap all of a sudden. Uh, I think they're just going to condense everything, and players that were again making 20 million, maybe they're making 20 percent less than what they were making before, right. and so they'll right. they'll drop down to would uh, oh, that be like 16 million? Uh, maybe they'll have to take 30 percent less. Whatever it is, basketball related income is getting wadded up and thrown in the trash, um, and so we're going to have to make some adjustments. But to me. Uh, there are a lot of layers to the Buddy Hield situation and whether or not he will be a long-term fixture with the Sacramento Kings. The nuts and the bolts. uh, Again, he signed a four-year, I think it's $86 million deal with the possibility to go up to $106 million uh, if he meets certain incentives. Uh, The contract itself, basically, the handful of the incentives are so easy to get to that he's kind of guaranteed roughly right around $94 million. Uh, But, he lost his starting job midway through the season to Bogdan Bogdanovich. Um, and I don't know, Doug, where are you at with Buddy Heald? And is he going to be a long-term fixture on the Sacramento Kings? Or it, are we at a wait-and-see approach with Buddy?
2: Um, I, I, I truly think that, that when you talk about the skill set in today's game, Buddy is at the highest level. I mean, you know not necessarily winning the three point contest denotes that, but it does, but he is about as good as it gets with, uh, with shooting the three pointer. So from that standpoint, he is uh, of a high value asset. No, no doubt about it. Um, will there be some hard decisions that are to be made meaning between him and Bogdan? I think that's a possibility, but as I look at it, uh, the pairing of Buddy and what he brings with the De'Aaron Fox, with the Marvin Bagley, those are really good fits. But at the same time, Bogdan is a great fit as well. Really, I guess the, the, the biggest key is, you know, and people say, well, you know, he's making starters money and he'd be coming off the bench. You know, I relate it to, to Bobby Jackson. And in, in my opinion, I've always thought that Bobby could have started for a, a bunch of teams but he chose to make us special, and he made us special because he had the type of talent coming off the bench that uh, second units did not have. They they could not uh, match that, that type of firepower. Now, whether Buddy is open to being that piece for the Sacramento Kings, and I think it was Thirteen and seven since he went to the uh, to the six man role. Mm-hmm. That was the record. Afterwards, I mean that that was a winning record. Was that the only reason that the Kings were losing? No, it, it was not. There there was injuries and a lot of different things that that went into that whole process. So let's make sure that we preface it with that. But at, at the same time. I truly think that Buddy makes it special because he has such a sniping ability, that same, similar to Bobby. He did, Bobby didn't necessarily have to think about the rest of the game. He did, but he didn't. He could come in and immediately, like the microwave, Vinny Johnson, just let it fly, be aggressive. If it's hitting, we are living large. If it's not, we got some time to see if it's going to work, and we still got a good enough team that we should be able to, you know, win ball games. So um, that that's going to be a you know a, a tough call and a tough situation for the Kings if Buddy isn't willing to take that role. If he's willing to take that role, I think it's a no-brainer. Uh, i love buddy personally i mean outside i mean he's a great personality i love sitting and talking with him he's one of my favorites so from that standpoint of a relationship i would not you know i I would definitely miss him uh but for him and his fit i I think it is an absolute perfect fit uh because what he brings to the game makes the king special there you know the difference for fans listening is when buddy's in the starting lineup normally when we go through a shoot around and we go over the teams now we're going to game plan for him because he's in the starting lineup. When you're not in the starting lineup, it's not that we don't, we ignore him because he's coming off the bench. It's just that we have to address the, the, what the the crux is before we get to that. And I think that a lot of times that's why it's going to be a lot easier for buddy because he's dealing with second unit players and different things. And you're not the number one piece on the, uh, on the game plan uh, defensively and things like that. So I'm hoping that they're able to work it out. Buddy says, yeah, I'm okay with with being the sixth man and just absolutely rips and rolls and sets records going forward because I know that's exactly what he would do. You know, Doug,
1: here's the thing. I honestly believe that Buddy Hield is a better fit in the starting lineup with Sacramento Kings. Um, The current makeup of their starting lineup this season specifically, I thought that the switch to Bogdan made sense be and, and Luke kept saying like, look, the reason why one of the reasons why I'm doing this is because of the continuity of Nemanja Bilic and Bogdan Bogdanovich. And that's something that he wanted to get back to. You know, those guys play together with their national team. They've played together for a couple of years here in Sacramento. Uh, again,
2: real, real quickly, real quickly, yeah. him. So, so are you saying that if uh, Buddy was in the starting lineup. You, what I, I think I'm hearing you say, you're saying Marvin would be in the starting lineup, and then Bogdan and Belly would come off the bench. Exactly.
1: So long term, okay. well, that I,
2: that's different. I'm, yeah, I'm, that one, I'm I'm okay with that.
1: Yeah. yeah, and I think so. Going forward next season, I I think that there there would be a very very good chance that that would be the case. Marvin would slide into the the power forward or center position. Um, Nemanja would go to the bench. Harrison Barnes would play a lot of stretch four. We're going to have to see how the whole thing works out. And we've talked about this before. I I really do believe that Marvin Bagley long-term is going to be a center in the NBA. Whether that's the case or not, we'll see. I think him and Rashawn Holmes make a good pairing. Um, I would like to see them play together quite a bit. Uh, they haven't got to play together a lot because of the injury situation for Marvin. Um, but, you know, I think there's a lot of moving pieces. So when I, I read, like, someone said, oh, here's a perfect trade. Buddy healed for Aaron Gordon. And I think to myself, hey, man, I, I would love to watch Aaron Gordon on a nightly basis. He's a human highlight reel. He's a lot of fun. But you can't have all of these players that can't shoot the three ball in the post because that's not the way the Kings offense works. I think Buddy opens the spacing and everything else for De'Aaron Fox and I think that he is a perfect fit and I think yep. to be honest with you Bogdan uh, needs the ball in his hands as well and I don't think he's a perfect fit now I think Bogdan should be playing 30 minutes I think uh, Buddy Heald should be playing 30 I think that, uh, that uh, De'Aaron Fox should be playing you know 35 um, and you're gonna have to work out the dynamics of how all of that works but on a personal level, I think Buddy has damaged relationships by the way that he handled first his uh, his contract negotiation. Um, I, that ruffled feathers. Trust me, it ruffled feathers. People weren't happy about the way he handled that. He kept going to the press. Um, and then again, with his demotion, there's, while Buddy has not gone out and just flayed luke walton in the press uh he has let it be very well known that he is not happy at all with coming off the bench um and so these are things where like look there's going to have to be some some fences mended here for this to work long term and i think everyone you know likes buddy and he's like got this incredible spirit about him and he's one of the hardest workers that the sacramento kings have ever had but that doesn't change the fact that he can be a loose cannon. And loose cannons don't always go over well uh, when they're walking into a new $86 million contract and you're like, look, man, you got paid. And Buddy will tell you right away, well, I'm not happy, I got underpaid. And so there's, there's always gonna be like sort of this odd dynamic where a guy got a lot of money, but he's not happy about the lot of money he got. And if he's not starting, he's not gonna be happy. Uh, is he going to make problems? Is it going to become a distraction? Because in all honesty, Doug, one of the contri- uh, contributing factors to the start of this season was Buddy Heal being a distraction in training camp. And so I'm hoping that they can fix all of these little things. But there's going to be ha- there's going to have to be some grown-ups in the room that really break down with everybody. Not just I'm not saying. That Buddy needs a grown up in the room. I'm saying that everyone's going to have to be a grown up in a room, have a real conversation, get back to the game of basketball, and and yeah. sort of find the right conversation with him.
2: Yeah, you you know, Ham. One of the things, and this is where the the whole coronavirus it was really. Um, unfortunate because I thought that Luke Walton had these guys playing finally uh, to what he wanted them to be at meaning or or striving towards that through all the injuries and all of the stuff that night versus New Orleans Pelicans I thought it was a defining moment and I wanted to see it so bad Uh, because you know they had been up and down and this and that, and they were finally finding some rhythm. De'Aaron was finally getting back, even though he had the shoulder thing and all of that. And um, you were seeing Rashawn Holmes back on the floor, Harry had started playing well, Uh, Harrison had finally gotten a rest, and he was he was back. We had seen um, excuse me, (coughs) Bogdan playing, um, you know, to to his level. It, It was it was that the, the mixture of all the things looked like it was coming to where it needed to be. So w- when we, when we say that, I, that's where I'm a little apprehensive because I'm like, eh, maybe we, we were really headed to where we wanted to go, which would have quailed a lot of that. Unfortunately, we got sidetracked. Yeah.
1: No, I, I mean, I, I think the Kings were on the right, the right like trajectory. And, you know, again, we can talk about, why they're on the right trajectory i think that the addition of ken baysmore had a lot to do with that i I think uh alex lends to defense uh you know harry giles getting more comfortable um guys just i mean De'Aaron fox starting to become a star i think all of those things really played into um, sort of the adjustment that was made but uh saying that this team had no business starting as poorly as they did they had no business dropping all of those games in December. Whether it's injury or it's anything else, they should have won more. They should have been. They should have had a much better record. Um, and they took yeah. a substantial step back. And uh, they're going to have to uh, have some really hard decisions when when they do get back to the actual game of basketball. I think they can they can pull it all together. And I also believe really that this team needs another year together to to really start making any major major you know changes Um, I want to see what this team would look like with a full 82 game schedule without just like a brutal travel schedule a bunch of injuries and a a bad start to the season I want to see if they can start off on a different note you know and, and have some success um but you know it's a business, and if that that can't happen, um, I'm gonna start circling players that you can live without and you can live with, and uh, and all of those things are gonna come into. It's gonna be one sort of like really really tough whiteboard decision. Like how do we do this? How do we go through and how do we survive through uh, yeah. you know, the ups and downs of the <clears throat> NBA and, and a pandemic situation and. And young players needing, you know, major extensions uh, like like a De'Aaron Fox and like a Bogdan. Um, It's just going to be, it's going to be a wild, weird, no one knows what's going on. But I think all options outside of De'Aaron Fox going anywhere uh, are going to be on the table. And that's just because that's the dynamic that we are now thrust into.
2: Yeah, I I mean, you know, it the kings now it's going to be and this is where you you're hoping that they really grow. It's the it's the mental side of basketball. It's the understanding how to play. It's the time and score. It's the sacrifice of individual for the whole it's all those little things because the talent that has been accumulated is and it just this is my take It's undeniable I think they have an incredible amount of talent you got shooters you got playmakers you got ball handlers I mean Alex Lynn's addition you mentioned Ken Baysmore. I mean wow there is there is stuff there now it's them taking that next step to winning and understanding, you and I talk about this a lot is how to win. There, you know, there, there's, you know, we can go out and get a win, but then there's also the recipe of understanding who we are and what we do. And on a given night, who's hot and who's not sacrificing and all those are the little things that are going to take the kings to that next step. And that's what that, that's why, man. I I was excited about what I was watching Luke do. And that's behind the scenes. Excuse me, that's behind the scenes and that's a practice and the little things are being said. And all of a sudden, I'm starting to see them. And damn, Ham, they cut the damn season off on me, man. They're killing me. I know, I know. It's absolutely horrible. Uh, You know, this is,
1: uh, it's small potatoes compared to what people are faced with out out there in the real world. It is, it is. um, But at the same time, I mean, the Kings were, they had found their groove and you know they were yeah. they were facing like their biggest challenge of of the season but maybe their biggest game in in like a 14 year oh, stretch man. i mean that game that they were about to play that night when everything went uh haywire uh it, yeah. that was going to be one of the biggest games and they were going to have a handful of holy cow this is a huge game coming up yeah and, and so it- um uh, yeah we kind of we got robbed. We did. We got robbed of seeing what could have been, and and we have no idea what this will look like when they try to put it back together. Um, I'll just say, like, uh, again, eighteen games. That's a lot of television re- revenue. Uh, it's a lot of NBC yeah. Sports television revenue uh, for them. Yeah. It's a lot of TNT money for these guys. It's it's a lot, um, and I, I think they're the possibility for the season to restart to me is really exciting i'm you know my enthusiasm is tempered just like everyone else's uh with the potential for this not to work out and for a rash of of players to start having issues and that's the last thing i want i you know i don't want any of these guys endangered um but you know at some point the uh whether or not the game will survive it has to has to come into play and you got to You got to kind of take stock of what it is that you do for a living and and how how do you get through it. Um, And, you know, they're not first responders. They're not people on the front lines who are risking their lives every day. Um, But at at some point, there is a certain amount of risk. Doug, there's never going to be, you know, a risk-free game. I I don't think ever again. And I I think people will look at this and go, you know what? Uh, The flu does kill tens of thousands of people every year. Um, the flu can kill even a 23 a year old player. Um, and you're just going to have to like, start to balance out the risk and the reward. And, and, you know, I'm glad I'm not making those decisions. Um, but we're in a weird time, dude. So
2: yeah, uh, absolutely, man.
1: All right. Well, that is, uh, we're going to wrap it up there. Doug, do you have any final thoughts?
2: No, man. I, I Well, yeah, always final thoughts. I, I think more than anything, I'm, I'm hoping that we see basketball. I'm glad to hear uh, Commissioner Silver and uh, Michelle Roberts from the Players Association and all the players be so excited about the possibilities and at least they are working uh towards that i'm glad that uh, we're seeing uh, progressional steps at uh, golden one center and other practice facilities and king's players uh, and coaches slowly able to get back out onto the court so you know more than anything uh you know my final thoughts are ones of hope um, thank you to all the first responders and essential workers that are out there sacrificing on a day-to-day basis. You guys are, are truly, truly appreciated, and hopefully this podcast can give you a little break away from what it is that you're doing for all of us.
1: Yeah, very well said, Doug. Uh, yeah, I, I think the biggest message I would say is like continue to be safe. We're going to see the lessening of restrictions here. Uh, we're already starting to see it. Um, but use your head. Um, I, I would love nothing more than to go out and celebrate mine and my wife's uh, birthday on Friday. <laughs> and and right. really, you know, party down. Um, like, just so people know, I had, I had a huge surprise for my wife for her birthday. Uh, I had bought tickets to Las Vegas with another couple uh, and we had Lady Gaga tickets for Friday night and, oh, wow, and Gwen Stefani tickets for Saturday night in Vegas for my wife's birthday. Wow. Um, we will not be getting on a plane, unfortunately. And now I have so much money to take you your stuck. <laughs> uh, I don't even hey, want to talk about, Hold on to him, buddy. Uh, yeah, hold I don't on. even want to talk about it, but, um, yeah you know life comes at you fast and we've got to make adjustments uh because everyone is and so hopefully hopefully it all works out for the best all right so again that's going to do it for this edition of the purple dog podcast thanks so much for tuning in we'll have another podcast next week we'll have a guest next week for sure Uh, i'm trying to work on getting you guys a player who's actually in the practice facility can talk about some of the uh, trials and tribulations um, hopefully that happens but we will have to wait and see um, and you know we'll just keep churning content here the best we can so for Doug Christie I am James Ham. thanks for tuning in to the Purple Talk podcast on NBC Sports California